Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio. So good evening everyone, it's Tuesday night, it's Rocksport Radio and this is Let's Hear It For The Girls with me, uh, Maureen McGonigal. Tonight our guest has made history as she was the first female referee to officiate in the Melrose Sevens just earlier this year. So I'm delighted to welcome to the studio Holly Davidson. Um, Holly, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So now, as usual, before we find out more about Holly and her work at uh, SRU, we'll have a little look back at what's been happening in the world of women in sport in Scotland this week. And my first port of call is swimming. And the Glasgow and Lanarkshire squadron ladies proved that they have what it takes at the ACFA Scottish Swimming Championship as a pick picked up both the junior and senior trophies. And Holly, as we were having a wee chat earlier on, we were just saying what a hard discipline it is to be a swimmer. You yeah. did a little bit of that yourself, did you not? Yeah, just when I was younger, um, I just think it's huge commitment from both athlete and family in terms of the early mornings, the late nights, the weekends away. It's, um, it's probably one of the most gruelling sports commitment-wise and training-wise um, that I've experienced. I think you're absolutely right to include the family in that because it's the family that gets up early normally to be the taxi driver. Yeah, absolutely. Mum, dad, sisters, brothers, I guess whoever can take take them to the swimming pool or uh, competition. Good luck to them. And on to mountain biking and Isla Short is jetting off to Greece now, doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> for the last race of the season and one final push for 2019, which she said has held so many powerful moments for her that in her own words allowed her to grow, laugh, cry and fall in love with this sport repeatedly after it caused me to crumble so it sounds as if she's had a roller coaster year so um hopefully um greece just finishes it off nicely for her gymnastics and it was more accolades for scottish gymnasts as two dmt gymnasts have been selected to represent great britain on the world stage kim Beatty and chiara donlevy have been selected to represent gb at the world championships and world age group competition in tokyo in december also, Scotland's trampoline double mini trampoline and tumbling gymnasts came home with nine medals from the 2019 Lully Cup in Portugal. This was the first time Scotland had competed in tumbling and DMT at this event and the team were rewarded for its hard work with impressive results, which sparked positive feedback from other nations, coaches and officials. There were 28 gymnasts there, six coaches, four judges and two team managers. That's quite a big... Um, team going out there, That's isn't huge, it? Yeah. Um, they took home two gold, five silver, and two bronze medals. So well done to all the gymnasts, their coaches and their clubs. And the CEO of Scottish netball, Claire Nelson, had said she was really proud to see Sirens netball player, assistant coach Claire Brownlee, as part of the Loughborough Lightning winning side at the recent five Fast Five All-Stars Champion event 2019. There's always one that gets my tongue twisted. <laughs> I'm going to try that again. The Fast Five All-Stars. Well, hey. So five, Fast Five All-Stars is a relatively new concept um, featuring 12-minute matches, an All-Star five-point line and a golden buzzer power 
play. I think the concept is that because it's all stars, that they create a team and they can take them from various other teams to get the strongest team. Um, and I think what they're trying to do is, is make it exciting and watchable. And 12 minutes is a great time span to watch something. Absolutely. It's almost like the sevens of the, the well, rugby uh, world, isn't it? <laughs> excuse me, I was going to say that. Yeah. It's realising that this is what people want to see, something yeah. that grabs their attention. We're so short with our attention span these days, don't you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Don't you dare go away with people listening on the radio. Get your attention span for the next 50 minutes. Um, on to cricket. And Sarah Bryce, who is a younger sister of Catherine Bryce, is a talented top-order batter who broke into the national squad in 2015 at the age of 15. She's now part of Scotland's women's squad and has been selected for the ICC Women's Global Development Team. She will be part of the squad 13 members um, who will play the Saudi Stars, Loughborough Lightning and Western Storm in five matches as part of their preparation for the ECB Super League. This initiative is a partnership between the ICC and the England and Wales Cricket Board and it aims at providing exposure to teams outside the top eight ranked sides who feature in the ICC Women's Championship and meet the World 2020s more competitive in the coming years and I think again that is something that's similar to the Rugby Sevens, the T20 for cricket Absolutely, it's that it's that quicker game, keep everyone involved and, and active in, in the in the watching, watching. Do you know, it's absolutely lovely to have all these different things coming up and, and, and sports vying for um, spectators' attention. It just makes it interesting for the sport, but also for the spectator, you know, having so much choice nowadays. Absolutely. And with the growth of, I guess, both netball and cricket from the summer, it just it just harbours that um, focus that they got through summer and keeps the attention going into their winter period. Yeah, it's, it's constant now. I mean, you've got to be on top of it. You can't sit back complacent because you've had one good event absolutely not. you know you've got to keep on thinking what's the next thing what can i do to improve um, yeah. there's so much competition out there for people's time and for people's money yeah 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 definitely they're fighting for the attention aren't they uh-huh so in football and this this is something similar to yourself it's lovely to hear it's congrats to neve westwood and abby henry they're both young referees who headed out for their first uefa international tournament at the end of last week so vicky allen who's a seasoned scottish fa referee and she's also the scottish fa refereeing ambassador tweeted proud of both but especially neve who i've buddied since she came through the class of 2016 she has worked very hard you'll recognize that absolutely it's great to see young females coming through and getting their opportunity on the big stage is it something that you keep your eye open for in other sports to see how many women are coming through or are you just focusing on your own you know your own sort of performance and yeah if it's sort of it's it's difficult to see if it's on social media then absolutely it's great to see and great to see fellow scots doing it um but for me it's just i try and focus on on my job in hand at the moment. I think social media has been a real boon to help promote women's sport. 100%, yeah. Yeah, and that's where I pick up most of this, you know, so so without it, where would we be? But I think we have to get a bit smarter at using it and make sure that we get it out rather than your closed audience. You want to get it out. That's the whole point of Scottish women's sport, to get it out to the people who don't know about it so we can create a bigger fan base for every sport. Um, also still on football um, with the SWF Scottish Cup Glasgow City will meet Hibs next month at Tynecastle this is a big first for them playing in this stadium this is again a reflection of the increase in um, 
awareness of women's sport and also in, in terms of the, the standard of women's sport play, playing at a ground such as Tynecastle. City secured the spot in the Scottish Cup final after a 4-1 victory over Rangers. Carla Boyce gave Rangers the lead, but City bounced back thanks to goals from Elish McSorley, Sam Kerr and a double from Rachel McLaughlin. Whereby Hibs had a comfortable win over Motherwell at Fourth Bank Stadium in Stirling with goals from Amy Muir, Colette Kavanagh, Siobhan Hunter and Rachel Boyle, giving them also a 4-1 victory. So there we are. That'll be an interesting final. It looks as if they're well matched, which I think goes towards making a good final. That's what you want, two teams. On the, yes. same, on the same page. And a wee bit more success. Polly McDonald's under-17 women's national team got off to a flying start to their European women's under-17 qualifying campaign with a 4-1 win over Northern Ireland. There seems to be a thread here. 4-1, 4-1, 4-1. I just realised that. Um, so they played their opening fixture at Orium and uh, there are still another two fixtures to play. That's Thursday um and uh, it's a 5.30 kickoff, Scotland versus Montenegro, and that's at Orium. And then Sunday with a 12.30 kickoff, Scotland versus Italy, and that's at Ainsley Park, which I think is the home of Spartans. Yep. You're confirming that for me, thank you. Yep. I should know my football, but it's been a while. Um, on to basketball, and in the opening match of the British Basketball League, the Caledonian Thistle fell to Nottingham Wildcats 58-75. So not too big of a gap, but um, hopefully it's something they work on for the rest of the season. And in athletics, Gemma Rike posted a huge thank you to Run for Rowan, which is a UK charity that helps aspiring young athletes, as she was recently a recipient of an award. She said it means so much to have your support throughout the years and an honour for my performances to be recognised. Another thank you to England Athletic for having me at your awards night. It was an inspiring night. So again, it's great to see that... um, young athletes are getting the support and whether it comes from charities, sponsorship, organisations themselves, they do need that support and and we reap so much of the benefit when they have their success because it's part of our success as well. Um, I just wanted to finish up um, our roundup talking about the Swiss Awards which we're doing this year in partner with um, University of the West of Scotland. The judging panel met last week to decide on the finalists for this year's award. We've now got 10 categories. We've included um, innovation and also champion school. Um, And it was interesting to see the amazing um, nominations, the submissions that have been put in, particularly, I think, for the Swiss Inspiration Sport. is always something that you're looking at people who are perhaps fighting against um, illness or fighting against um, prejudice, still going out and inspiring other people to to get involved in sport. And delighted to say we've just had confirmed that our two very special guests of the night, who we will be um, interviewing, are Judy Murray and Katrina Matthew. And aren't we so fortunate to have two amazing women like that in Scotland? Definitely. For them to be championing women in sport in Scotland is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Judy Murray came along, obviously, to our launch, which is six years ago next month. Um, but Katrina for um, Solheim Cup, did you manage to catch any of that? I only caught the, the latter ends of the holes, yeah. It was <laughs> incredible. Uh, the, the scenes were great. I was fortunate to be there, um, along with Shelley Kerr from uh, Scottish FA. And we had decided just to sort of... We, we thought we thought it was done and dusted. Yeah. And we decided to saunter down, go for the train, but, you know, 
stop off and uh, we heard this roar and oh my goodness it was spine tingling yeah. and then people just running towards it and again it was just such a feel-good atmosphere the whole absolutely time there Def- for me it's events like the Solemn Cup and the Ryder Cup there's something about them that brings everyone together and that mixture of different nationalities and teams together I think is brilliant um, what a result for the girls Yes, I mean I think they'd waited 13 years for it <laughs> yeah. so it was well worth waiting for it and again, it's uh, the time was right Yeah, absolutely The time was, was right, amazing. particularly in Scotland and it's just elevated uh, women in sport to another level um, So that's um, our roundup for this week and um I want you to stay tuned because Holly has got a really, really interesting story. You want to hear about her role within the SRU. And of course, don't forget, I will want to hear from you because it's it's really good to be able to promote what you're doing out there, your results, your events, anything that's happening. Just give us a little plug. All the social media contacts are on the website at Rocksport Radio. And as well as I say every week, we're always looking for guests to come on the programme. Please don't be shy. I'd love to have you here and I'd love to chat to you. And Holly can definitely confirm, I don't bite, do I? No, makes a great cup of tea. <laughs> makes a great cup of tea and doesn't bite so far. So go you and make a cup of tea and come back in um, just a minute or so and hear all about Holly Davidson. Have you ever lost money on an investment? If a high street bank persuaded you to buy a stocks and shares ISA, unit trust or investment bond and you lost money, Goodwin Barrett may be able to help you get back thousands of pounds in compensation. We've already helped thousands of people just like you claim back millions of pounds. Even if you don't have the investment anymore or the paperwork, Goodwin Barrett make it easy to find out. Text GOOD to 6677. Text GOOD to 6677 now. The list of things you need to do gets longer at this time of year, whether that's for the house or in your business. So take one thing off your list right now. Your septic tank could need emptied. Let Grant Henderson Tankers empty your septic tank in the home or work, farm, factory or workshop at very competitive rates. We are septic tank specialists, experienced, safe and dedicated to environmental safety with our own licensed disposal site. Find out more at wemovesh.it or call 01698 284 987. Grant Henderson Tankers, let the experts manage your waste. Have you picked up the Feel the Heat brochure from your local plum base? Get one today and take advantage of great offers, including Polypipe's Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket at £99.99. That's a 15% saving on purchasing individual pieces, and it's exclusive to plum base. The Polypipe Polymax 100-piece fittings bucket is just part of the Polypipe range available in the plum base Feel the Heat brochure. Shop online now at plumbase.co.uk or grab one from your local branch. Motorpoint, we've put the super into car supermarket. We're here to save the day with a choice of over 7,000 low mileage, nearly new cars. Find your next car in a flash with our lightning fast service and same day drive away. Plus, with Motorpoint's price pledge, if you find the same car for less, we'll match the price and give you a £50 Amazon voucher. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today, just two minutes from junction three of the M74. T's and C's apply. See website for details. Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio. Welcome back to tonight's Let's Hear It for the Girls and to our special guest, Holly Davison. Uh, 
Um, so, Holly, I am really, really desperate to hear all about the things that you've achieved in such a short space of time as well. Um, but we're going to sort of take you back to the start because we like to sort of set the scene and find out sort of where you came from and where this enthusiasm came from sport. And um, you grew up in a boy in Aberdeenshire and you played football, basketball, you were a school runner and rugby. Tell us about that time. What was your favourite sport and what was it like? Um, so my favourite sport probably was football. Um, when I was growing up, um, I moved up to a boy when I was seven. Before that, I lived in West Kilbride, where football probably in the West Coast is the the dominant sport. You so, can't get away from it, can no. you? So played football, and then when I moved up north, rugby was sort of took my took my eye, um, and I moved away from football into rugby, and I loved it. There's something about the the team sport, the Everyone talks about the culture in rugby and I really enjoyed it. It was just like a big family. Um, so I played with my school for um, three years and regional sort of Scotland stuff with um, the base down in Perth, which was amazing. So it's quite fascinating. I'm, I don't think a lot of schools would offer rugby to young girls at, at that point. Yeah. Was it quite unusual? Did you have other, did you play in a mixed team, first of all? I didn't. So there was actually no school team when I was in Aboyne. Um, and one of our technical studies teachers was a big Bath rugby supporter. And we approached him to say, how would you feel about coaching uh, a girls team and that actually then transpired into him coaching a guys and girls team and we actually for being such a small school I think there's only 700 people at a boy academy we actually made it to the Murrayfield um, cup finals uh, under 18s which was amazing but to be running around in that big pitch as a small kid was so daunting but like you said it was very it was unusual for a school team to be facilitating girls rugby at that time. So we were probably first, especially up in the north, um, the first sort of team to be doing that that's, that was away from a, a club set up. Did your parents have any qualms? You know, because you, you, you know, years ago you read about, you know, parents not wanting their children to go into rugby. Did your parents have any qualms? Were they quite happy to see you go play rugby? Yeah, um, it was probably it was a it, there were mixed emotions. Um, my parents are very enthusiastic and encouraging with whatever sport or avenue I want to take in my life. Um, and when I played football, I played defence, and I was twelve playing in under seventeens and under nineteen. So I was kind of used to getting bashed around a little bit. Um, my dad absolutely loved it, and my mum always. She found it difficult watching, but would never discourage me from playing anything that I wanted to. So I think it was difficult when the big girls were running over the top of me, but that's part and parcel of the sport that we played. <laughs> watching it at the weekend, yeah. uh, sitting with my mother who's 91, could not understand how all this happened watching this Scotland uh, against Japan. Yeah. But I think that's amazing because, you know, without this group of girls challenging to have this, without the parents' support, uh, you just wonder where you would be. It's uh, it's uh, really, really good to hear. So rugby kind of took your eye going through school. Um when did you actually start to play with a club outside school? So I probably didn't play with um, a club until I joined Murrayfield Wanderers. Um, so I stopped playing rugby more just because I had to concentrate on my studies in my fifth and sixth year. I needed to ensure that 
I got my hires and I got into university because at that point there was no avenue to be professional as a player or as a match official. Well, that's really strange you should say that because, you know, the back of my head I'm thinking, you know, your parents have supported you because this is your hobby, you're enjoying it and they're keeping an eye on you. But do they support you enough to say, you know, get the balance between the studies where you can still play and study But if they can't see a, an end result for you, the studies have to take precedence, don't they? Because Absolutely. that's what's going to take you through the rest of your life. Yeah, and I don't speak about it much, but I'm so I'm dyslexic. So when I'm trying to study, it takes me that little bit longer to really fully digest what I'm reading when I'm writing. So I have to really prioritise my studies to ensure that I'm actually understanding the content that I'm going into the exams to actually sit. So for me, I took that step to say, no, I need to put my sport on the back burner for a little while and concentrate on my my hires to get into university. And successful you were. You did go into university and you actually took up rugby again while you were there. That kind of reignited your passion, didn't it? Yeah, so um, as every student knows, you go to Freshers Week and you go around all of the stalls to see what sport kind of takes your fancy. So when I was at school, I played basketball as well and my old captain was captaining Edinburgh University Basketball. So she said, these are our tryouts, come down um, and see if you like it. But as I was, as I left basketball, I saw that rugby was in the corner and I just picked up a flyer, not thinking anything of it. And then when I went down, um, the coach at Edinburgh University at the time was the opposition coach when I played regional Scotland stuff during under 16s and under 18s. And she said, you know, it's great to see you again. Where have you been hiding? Um, and from that point on, I was stuck to Edinburgh Uni yeah, uh, for the next four years. It's funny you should say that because I remember listening to um, Catherine Granger, who I believe is now Dame Catherine Granger. (laughs) We maybe have Dame Holly Davis at one point. Um, And uh, that's where she got into rowing, was at the Freshers. And uh, I think that the story she told was long before she she's got to the the level she is now that um, the reason she did that is because they they enticed her to come in by offering her a glass of wine um and again like yourself you know it's it's just something that you want to do something um that that's a hobby you know no real thought of the the future and this could get me here and I could do this absolutely Um, it's all to do with the friendships and the fun that you're getting from it totally I think university is such a scary place when you go that you kind of want to make friends with people that have similar interests um the same sort of people as yourself um and rugby was that for me um and the socials that come along with rugby are great and the family that you make are amazing Uh, but like you said I just initially went along to keep myself fit make some new friends and um yeah just enjoy rugby again oh perfect so um you were quite successful in university. I mean, you came out with uh, a degree in it. Yeah, uh, so I did economic history at university. Yeah, that sounds tough, <laughs> it doesn't was. it? Uh-huh. It was difficult, yeah. Uh-huh. But, um, you get used to from learning from my hires. I was then able to actually balance my sport and my studies um, alongside in the university were, were great if we had competitions at specific times of the year um, with regards to hand-ins or exams, etc. So from there, um, I think it was Murrayfield Wanderers that caught your eye and um, you signed up. What, what age were you around that time? I think I was 19 when I started playing for Murrayfield Wanderers. Um, so my under-20s coach, Juliana Marciano, she 
was the under 20s coach but she was also the Murrayfield Wanderers coach and it was at a point where I needed to start playing um, with people that were in the Scotland setup. Um, so I needed to move from university rugby which I continued to play on a Wednesday but then can, um, picked up rugby on a Sunday as well to play in the Premiership. So you enjoyed your time with Murrayfield Wanderers, how, how long were you there? So I was there originally for two years and then I took a year gap from injury and then I went back for another two years after that. So it's a shoulder injury you had, yeah? It was, yeah. And and then you had another shoulder injury, was it the exact same? Yeah, exactly the same. Um, so dislocate, just multiple dislocations throughout my career and then I had surgery on it in my fourth year at university um, and then just did my rehab and stuff, but it was never never the same. That sounds a painful injury to mm. have, yeah. How, how did it you know, manifest itself in terms, was, was it your left or your right? Could you still Yeah, it was my it was my right shoulder um, and I guess in a contact sport where that's where you initiate your tackles etc and a lot of your movement for passing comes from um, it was very uncomfortable very very niggly and with the positions that I played as well um, when you pick up an injury there my passing was just it never went back to what it was prior to the to the surgery so it was disappointing but that's that's part and parcel. Did you have to make the decision yourself? I mean, did you sit down and discuss it or did you, in your head you just knew that that was that for you? Yeah, I think it, just in my head I knew that as much rehab as I could do, um, there's a feeling, there's a gut feeling that you know that it's never going back to its original state and you just have to live with it. Was it was it then, I mean, did you just sit and say, well, that's one door closed, let's look for the opportunity for another? How did this refereeing come into your head? At what point after your injuries? So I continued to play. I knew that I was never probably going to get back into the national setup, but I was still good enough to still be playing Premiership. Um, and then I was watching the Olympics and Sevens Rugby had just been introduced as an Olympic sport. And when I was playing, I never understood why the referees could be missing the most obvious infringements etc so I thought well, I could give this a go. Um, armchair referee. Yeah absolutely <laughs> um, I was definitely an armchair referee so I went along to Scottish Rugby put on a female only referee course and from there I just started picking up Saturday games and then I was still playing on a Sunday. So the difference between you and an armchair referee is you actually went out and got yourself trained. <laughs> I did, So yeah. I, I think that is uh, pretty good. But, uh, you know, you speak a lot beforehand about the camaraderie that came with being a team. Mm. Uh, was that a difficult transition? I mean, because you're now on the other side, no matter yeah. how friendly you've been with it. How did the team react to this sort of um, change um, of direction? To begin with, it was totally fine because I never had to referee them. And obviously now Murrayfield Wanderers has disbanded into... Um, the girls have gone into different teams. So I now have to referee them on certain Sundays or cup finals, etc. Um, but because I've played alongside them and they know me, I probably get an easier ride than other referees that don't know them. Um, but absolutely, do I miss that camaraderie? Yes, 100%. Um, there's nothing like being part of a team, um, whether you are league champions, middle of the table, bottom of the table, it's part of being that team, that family environment, and um, there's nothing that can replicate that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think probably more so when you're bottom, bottom of the table because you can lift each other yeah. up, can't you? Um, and, and it's quite sad in a way. I mean, it's obviously you've got a great career and we're going to hear about it. But in terms of the friendships, I would think it would be difficult at that time to sustain them. Absolutely. Um, so, again, um, I'm liking the story about the Olympics and the fact that you think, well, I can do that. Because, you know, most people will sit in their armchair and think they can do it, but they won't really um, go out and do it. But you told me earlier on that it, it took a sort of change of heart with SRU, which I think is great, that mm. they actually agreed that most of their training was on a Sunday when the girls played. Yeah, so I think it was at a time where Scottish rugby wanted to invest more in women in rugby, whether that was in coaching, officiating and playing. So a lot of the referee courses previously were always on a Sunday and that's when the women's premiership fixtures were. So I contacted Scottish Rugby to see would they be able to facilitate a Saturday course and from there there was probably about 25 of us on the course. Now whether they ended up being referees or they just bettered their understanding of the game that's still a better situation than we were in before that course was put on and now that happens more and more that there is Saturday courses to actually facilitate more girls getting in because it can be very daunting turning up to uh, any course and it's 95% men and you're potentially the only one female there. Um, So if we can make that transition or just get more people involved by making it more accessible, then why not? So when I'm thinking back, I'm thinking, first of all, you're you're up at the teacher, you're making sure you've got a team, and secondly, you're up at SRU. So obviously you're a woman that likes to get things done. Yeah, Uh very much so. Like if I... I'll put myself. I don't mind. I don't mind being that one percent. That's um, if the rest of the guys there are male. But for me, it was just that I wasn't able to attend those courses because I played on a Sunday. Um, so for me, I just like having the same opportunities. And if the guys were able to go on Sundays because they played on Saturdays, then those opportunities should be there for the women that played on Sundays. Of course, should be there on a Saturday. Oh, I love it. Love <laughs> it. Um, so I was going to ask you as well. It, you know, you said something about, you know, people going along to the refereeing courses, maybe just to enhance their own understanding. There's often been chat around, particularly in football, players and coaches taking on a, a refereeing course to understand it. Mm. Do you think that would be beneficial, A, you know, across the board, but specifically in rugby? Yeah, absolutely. I think rugby is so grey. I don't. I think it's the one sport that's really not black and white. And I do a lot of sort of like, mini workshops now with a lot of the players that I used to play with um, some of the coaches that work for Scottish Rugby, I go down and visit clubs to do little workshops again Um, and if we can, our job at the end of the day is to encourage is to facilitate Scottish Scotland women getting to the next World Cup and doing well in the Six Nations and if we can facilitate that by bettering their understanding of the laws and how they potentially can manipulate them to their benefit then we've almost done our job to to help them get that edge on their their opposition I mean I think this year for the the women's football world cup you know so much controversy surrounding VAR um, and again you know it's something they've had in rugby for some time and actually mm. it's welcomed in rugby and it's it, it's part of the game yeah you know having been there at Scotland Ireland um, and fascinated hearing the referee saying uh, which I think is brilliant yeah um, do you think in terms of football it will settle down and it will be a benefit or is it a different sport, different 
I think I think in time it it will get better. I don't think maybe the timing wasn't right to introduce this new um, system in one of the biggest stages for football. And uh, I think also what you said before about training, um, you know, the players and the coaches to understand it. I think there was a lack of, you know, real thought on how this is going to impact on everyone and how they should be given a greater understanding. Absolutely. And I think as well, like, you see it on TV all the time with the big officials using TMOs or VAR VAR all the time. For a lot of women going into those environments, um, they've probably never used VAR or TMOs before. So how do we facilitate additional training to officials for them to get the best outcome for the game, not just implement a, a new facility that... Not very many people understand, everything's not embedded in and it's one of the biggest stages. So I think it will work in the long term, but I'm not sure the timing was the best for the World Cup. No, I think I agree with you. Um, But, you know, as it stands, women in sort of um, traditionally looked upon as male-dominated sports, uh, football and rugby, are definitely becoming more and more prominent. But um, have you come across any particular issues being a female and and being a referee? At the moment, no. The only um, thing that you get is if you turn up to a a club, sometimes they think that you're a matchday physio um, (laughs) or they think that you're a doctor of one of the teams. But for me, that's... That's not them being insulting. That's just they've never seen a female ref um, turning up to their games. So how do we change that environment? How do we get it to become normal on a Saturday or Sunday that it's a woman turning up to referee the game? Um, And then the more that the spectators, the players, the managers and coaches see females in those roles... It just becomes normal and you get treated exactly the same. Do you know, it's it's strange you should say that because I do remember being at a football match and uh, there was an issue on the park with one of the players and it was uh, a man that ran on and I'm thinking, why is the doctor going on first? You know, it's normally the physio. And, you know, I should know better. Um, So the physio was a man and the doctor was a woman. And you say it's just about getting more and more women in. It's getting the integration, getting being inclusive. Um, I agree with you. People don't really... You will get the odd one or two. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, people don't really bother. So let me take you back where we are. We'll recap. You're now no longer um, playing rugby, but you've gone and you're refereeing rugby, but you're still working at the same time. Mm. How difficult was that? It was so difficult. Um, trying to work and referee at the same time with the refing was taking me all over the world um, from sort of December <coughs> onwards. And to try and balance the two was hard enough, but then you're trying to balance your personal life in with that as well and seeing friends, seeing loved ones, seeing family, even just having the smallest part of social life was, yeah, was difficult. missing some great events, I would assume, because Absolutely. you have to catch up. However, seeing that, I had a brilliant boss. I was going to say, you were telling me, it was JP Morgan you were yeah. with, weren't you? And they were so supportive and understanding. Absolutely. Um, my boss is a big rugby man himself, and if I had events, he was very much aware that me going to referee these events wasn't wasn't a holiday, it wasn't a jolly um, and he didn't like me having to take all of my holidays to go and referee so he allowed me to work additional hours during my week to then facilitate me taking time off to go to Dubai, Hong Kong, Las Vegas which if it wasn't for him then I probably would have had to make a decision early on 
it, am I able to facilitate refereeing and doing this job um, full time? It probably it probably wouldn't have been possible. I think that's wonderful. It's great to have that support, isn't it? And yeah. and, and look at where it's it's got you to now. Um, I did. I forgot to mention earlier. I believe you were once quoted as saying, "I was one of those little nines and tens who gave the ref some jip." <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to ask you, was that good training for any flag that might come your way? Because I mean, you're in the middle of the park. You're telling me there's no difference between male and female, mm-hmm. but generally, you know, whether you're male or female. In the middle of the park, you are going to get some gyps. So, you know, do you take yourself back in your head and think, well, this is normal? I've got very good selective hearing, I think. Um, (laughs) I know that... It's normally the eyesight you question in referees. (laughs) So you're telling me you've got hearing problems as well. (laughs) Maybe both. Um, I, I understand that there is emotion and that competitive nature in people allows you to potentially behave in a way that you probably wouldn't off the park. So for me, as long as it's not um, derogatory or aggressive towards myself or it turns into physical aggression with other players, then I I, I can empathise with the players. And I think that's a positive on my, my playing background. I know where the players are coming from when those, uh, those emotions get heightened. Is that something you're taught as you go through the courses? Because, I mean, it is, to me, it is good that you understand these things. I mean, we don't want that culture in sport, but let's be honest, it's there and I don't know when it's going to change. Mm. Um, so are you taught to kind of deal with that? Yeah, we get... We get additional support on how to sort of interact with captains or um, difficult players. But for me, I think it depends on you as a person yourself and how you want to be treated. And just because I'm there refereeing doesn't mean that I should get automatic respect. If I respect the players and their actions, then hopefully they'll respect me and the job that I'm doing. Um, And I think it's just about empathising. If you don't have empathy as a person yourself, I think you can't teach someone you can help them, but I don't think it comes as second nature. But strangely, it's kind of what we were saying that, you know, you playing made you understand referees. Absolutely. You know, perhaps, you know, referees having played the game should try and remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it sounds like it's pretty hectic because, you know, you you were asked to do a, a trial for the Sevens World Series in mm. Dubai. And you'd only been re- refereeing for around six months. And you were doing, were you doing about five games <laughs> yeah. a day? I mean, I read that and I thought, no, that's wrong. And as well as that, you were assisting. I mean, yeah. That must have been an absolutely hectic time. It was one of the toughest competitions to date I've ever done. Were you there so that they could look at your stamina, what you could do in order to help progress your career? Is that the whole point of that tournament or what? The tournament's run alongside the World Series. Um, So all the invitational teams come along and they play. And it just so happens that there are hundreds of fixtures over the three days. So it just means that you're given game after game after game. Now, being Scottish, a redhead with pale skin in Dubai summer oh <laughs> meant that it was tough on the old body. It was really tough. <laughs> it's um, not so old, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you reft about three games and back to back, you're ARing two games on top of that. So you start about eight in the morning and you finish about ten in the evening. And there's not much to me, but I came back six kilos later. And um, it was so difficult. Was, was that you know, like days in a row? Did you get three days in a row? Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. And that didn't put you off? No, it kind of makes you, uh-huh. strangely enough, it makes you... <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. It makes you appreciate it. And 
it makes you kind of want it more knowing how difficult it can be nothing ever compares to that now but also knowing that you coped with it yeah you know you think well i've done this you know, I can do anything else. So, yeah. so when did the big decision come to say, listen, I, I can't do this anymore? Yeah. Um, so I got contacted. Um, it was probably around March, April time around a, being contracted with Scottish Rugby. And I didn't take it seriously to begin with. Um, I was like, this is an opportunity that just seemed crazy at the time. And then it's an opportunity that you can't turn down. I can go back and sit behind a desk when my legs stop working. Um, and for me, it wasn't really a choice. It wasn't, I didn't really have to think about it. I spoke to my mum and she was over the moon. Oh, um, And yeah, from there, I spoke to my bosses and it was just, from there we signed our contract. That's pretty amazing. Um, and I think in 2018, it mm. just shows you, you know, what's happened. You were, you refereed the Rugby Europe, the Commonwealth Games, the Rugby World Cup Sevens, and in 2019, the Women's Six Nations Championship in the Wales v Ireland match. Yeah. I mean, is it a highlight of any of these? Um, going to the Commonwealth Games, going to my first sort of multi-sport event was amazing. Um, and it was in Australia, the Aussie women are seen as the sort of the golden, the golden girls because they won the real gold. Um, so they're the superstars of the sevens. So normally on the sevens, when we turn up, the crowds for the women's are probably slightly smaller than the men's. Whereas at the Commonwealth Games, it was the complete opposite. And everyone was out to watch the Aussie women. So the stadium was absolutely packed. And I got the bronze medal match there between England and Canada. And it was just, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Um, but a, probably a highlight of mine in the past couple of years, I got my first sevens final um, in Denver last year, in 2018. And you plug away, plug away, plug away. And then to kind of get that initial, that nod and that, tap on the back to say you know what you're the best essentially you're saying you're the best sevens ref in the world that weekend um was amazing it was it was crazy and the memories that come with it are unbelievable i think it is it does sound pretty amazing um so you're now a full-time referee and i was interested to know we know that if you've got full-time athletes you know a lot of them are going to the institute of sport how do you keep fit do they do, do they accept officials into the institute yeah so scottish rugby have a really good setup with us in terms of additional support with strength and conditioning um physio through nutrition so <clears throat> we we're in the gym um, four or five times a week and then we referee at the weekends um, and then when, when we're away on the sevens we have exactly the same a full training week and we have testing and body fat percentage etc that we have to maintain for world rugby as well and your diet etc exactly yeah, yeah. so um now you are a full-time referee, it's, it's not just games at the weekend and training. You obviously do other work within SRU. Mm-hmm. What's a kind of typical day for you? So Tuesdays, a lot of the time, is our big review days. So you review your game from the weekend. Um, and on top of that, internationals or the professional game, you look at the big talking points and you, you review it with your coaches. Then you've got your training. Um, and then you prep for the weekend for, you look over your and analyse clips from the teams that you're going to be refing on this Saturday or Friday evening. And then you're potentially in with to do club work and facilitate club work, whether that's Scotland Sevens, the guys team, the women's team, or if it's local clubs in your in your area. 
So I know you were the first uh, female referee. Are, are there more now that are full-time? Nope, not no? yet. Um, we're still trying to grow that pathway and get more of them in the domestic structure first. Um, and then hopefully in a couple of years we'll see more contracted females. But obviously there's a lot of work happening to, to encourage them there. Absolutely. In terms of the game itself, women's rugby, I mean, it is fairly taking off. The numbers are growing. Where do you see it going in the next five years? Have you given that any thought? Um, not much thought, but I think it's it's massive. The Obviously next year is um, the Olympics again in Tokyo. And I think it's going to be even bigger than it was in Rio. And then in 2021, it's the Women's World Cup down in New Zealand and the last one was obviously 2017 in Ireland and that had record numbers in terms of coverage on TV, attendance at stadiums and the Kiwis love their rugby so I think that's just going to be even bigger and better and the game is improving, the players are improving, the officials are improving so all in all if you take that as a package what we then put out on TV hopefully just encourages more girls to get involved um, in playing and officiating and in coaching roles. So we're going back to the start where, you know, you <coughs> spoke to the teacher and you got it included in school. What's what's it like in schools at the moment for rugby? Is there an opportunity for girls to get to play and to learn rugby in schools? Is it becoming more and more? Yeah, I think it is becoming more and more accessible for girls, whether that is through schools or through local clubs. A lot, Scottish rugby has pushed a lot domestically to try and facilitate um, girls teams and if it's not that, if there's not the contact side that you want to play then there's always the, the tart and touch which Scottish Rugby rolled out um, which is the non-contact side of things but you can still have that those values in the culture of, of rugby. I'm loving that name, the tart and touch. I mean yeah. I have heard of touch rugby, I've never heard it called the tart and touch. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Um, so for you Holly, um, you know you've got a degree in economic history from Edinburgh University um, which you'll always have. Yeah. How long realistically do you see your refereeing career and then where do you see yourself going mm. after that um so i'm 27 at the moment so hopefully look refereeing is you, you can be really good one season and you may be not so good the next so i've just got to take each year as it comes if i look too far ahead then you might get complacent and you might slip up on a few things. So for me, I'd like to keep going as long as my little legs can can keep running about the pitch. And the higher up the games, the harder that will be. Um, but as long as I'm still enjoying it and I still have a love for the game and I still love refereeing, then I'd love to stay in it for as long as possible. Um, where I go after refereeing uh, is a big question. I have no idea at the moment. I love sport. I love, I love rugby. Um, but yeah, we'll cross that bridge. But I think it's fascinating because you know you now know that there are opportunities out there and how you can change them around. Yeah. Uh, but when you were talking there about not being any other, you know, um, full-time professional females, mm. you know, I know that in football, when the females go away, they go away as a team. So you know, you've got the the referee and the two officials. What kind of team do you get when you're going away? Do you always then have two? No, so on the sevens, you travel as a team, um, but with referees from all over the world. So we've got refs from Japan, New Zealand, Australia, Spain, Italy, um, and we all meet up in the one location to do that tournament. For 15s, it's a lot of solo travelling. So when I go away and do my games for internationals, 
I travel alone down to the location. I'll meet two assistant referees there and then I'll travel home. But if you go to competitions where those assistant referees aren't um, appointed, then you're on your own pretty much the whole weekend. So it can get it can get a little bit lonely with travelling every single weekend, but as long as you don't mind your own company and you get to see different parts of the world, then it's it's great. It's always the same, doesn't it? People think because you, you know, you're talking about Denver, you're talking about Canada, you're talking yeah. about Tokyo, that, wow, this is wonderful. <laughs> but it, it, you could be anywhere because you're on a plane, you're at the stadium, you're, you're at training. You're in a hotel. Uh-huh. Yes. And uh-huh. my family now understand that. They understand, well, travelling is actually exhausting. You don't get to see too much of the place you're, see, uh, you're visiting. And because when I first started, they said, oh, it's amazing. You're going here, there and everywhere. Uh, but now they actually realise it's tough going it's tough on the body and it's tough on the mind as well. So if you're a player, your family go, they go to watch the game. Do your family follow you to go to watch you officiate? Uh, My mum's been to a couple of games, but probably similar to me, she was an armchair referee and now she is the one that is watching the crowd probably shout at her daughter. So, <laughs> so I mean, she's anything like her daughter a bit. She's given quite a few of them a ticking off. Yeah, she's given them the death stare. So uh, <laughs> I don't mind if my family don't. And it's it must be difficult for families to have to listen to people shout at officials so I don't mind if she doesn't come but she came to my Wales Ireland game um, and she didn't she didn't end up in an argument with anyone in the crowd so it was good. Wow so so what's coming up what's the next big event for you? Um, so I'm going to be running touch in Pro 14 which is my first Pro 14 of, um, match in the next couple of weeks I then I'm running touch in France England the women's game I referee England versus Italy and then I'm doing the Wales versus Babas which is the women's curtain raiser to the men's Wales Babas at the Millennium's uh, the Principality Stadium. So it has changed its name the Principality it has, Stadium yeah, yeah. which uh, I mean it it's a fabulous place to be isn't I can't it? Wait. It's yes. going to be such an occasion and it's just going to be fantastic. Are you hoping for bad weather to have the roof closed? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I don't mind. <laughs> Well, I just think it's been amazing to to hear your story and thank you for taking time to come in. As always, there's a song and there's a little um, story behind your song. Mm -hmm. Would you like to introduce your song for us? Yeah, so my song is ACDC Highway to Hell. Um, And the reason I chose this song, my first ever game fixture on the HSBC 7s was in Las Vegas. And this song was playing as I was waiting in the tunnel and running out. And I get very nervous before fixtures, but this song I can't help but just tap my feet and it puts a smile on my face so it'll always have a have a place in my heart as something memorable and just yeah makes me makes me very happy well thank you for your time Holly and here is ACDC with Highway to Hell Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio.